Express FM. Supported by Southern Co-op. We are passionately pumping. Begins, look forward, work together to create a Portsmouth football club that we can all be proud to be associated with. Pure, unadulterated pumping. It's a massive club, it's a massive opportunity for me. I know this atmosphere is special. I can't wait to see a full house and it rocking. Action and reaction. This is Shoes Football Club. We're here to be hopefully successful. The infrastructure is changing, so really we want to start pushing forward and making Portsmouth a real force. Giving Pompey fans a voice. It's a club with a rich tradition, a rich heritage, but one that has an excellent relationship with its supporters. This is the Football Hour. The one team that stands out that's historic, that's had great success, that has a fan base that is amazingly passionate, is Portsmouth. Plenty of huff, but once again, no puff from Pompey, who fell to defeat at the Stadium of Light on Saturday. Carter under pressure, in danger of giving the ball away outside his penalty area, and he has, and Stewart's got a chance. Great opportunity, Sunderland lead. Portsmouth shoot themselves in the foot, and Elliot Embleton with his left foot puts it into the bottom corner. That is now four league games without a win for the Blues, who have started 2022 with no more than a pop, let alone a bang. On a very busy show tonight, we'll be hearing what the gaffer had to say after the full-time whistle on Wearside. He is adamant not to pin the blame on Hayden Carter, despite the only goal of the game coming from his mistake. He's just a young player. Senior players will make mistakes. These things happen. We just needed to manage the game a little bit better than what we did in those final moments before half-time. Elsewhere this weekend, it was joy for the Pompey women. Later, we'll take a listen to the post-match thoughts of head coach Jay Sadler after his side progressed to the final of the Hampshire Cup. We should have put the game to bed. We've got to be more clinical in and around both boxes, but ultimately, we were in control of the tie and we've seen us through. That is all to come between now and 7 o'clock, so strap in, make yourselves comfortable and don't move a muscle. Welcome to Express FM and thanks for joining us for another edition of the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. A very good evening and welcome to another instalment of the Football Hour here on Express FM, driven to you this season by Stagecoach Across the South. Head to stagecoachbus.com for more information on timetables, fares and route updates in your area. They're getting you through Hampshire and across the South Coast with a minimum of fuss. Okay, coming up this evening, we've got a jam-packed show here on Express FM between now and 7 o'clock. I will be joined by two more Pompey fans to review the latest Blues match, a 1-0 defeat to Sunderland at the Stadium of Lights at the weekend. We'll also be hearing, as we just mentioned there, from Jay Sadler, head coach of the Pompey women, after a victory for his side on Sunday. So then progress to the final of the Hampshire Cup. We'll talk transfer news and we'll also discuss the latest on departures leaving Fratton Park today a lone exit for one Blues goalkeeper we'll come on to that in just a few moments time but between now and seven o'clock we'd love to hear the thoughts of you back home as well but Pompey fans as always it is 81400 on the text start your messages with the word express Pompey at expressfm.com on the emails on Twitter include at expressfm or find us over at facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. However, in true Football Hour fashion, we start off the show by reliving the events of Pompey's last game. The Blues made the mammoth journey to the Stadium of Light on Saturday afternoon to take on a Sunderland side who looked likely to be going up to the Championship finally this season. Here is how it all unfolded right here on Pompey Live. Everything we do is passionately Pompey. Every second of the action is right here. Shooting scores! 90 minutes of passionately Pompey commentary. He scored! This is... You wouldn't believe it! Pompey Live. Sunderland against Portsmouth, and we are underway here at the Stadium of Light. Pompey win it on halfway, and Harness can break down the right-hand side. Walker made an early run. Harness still has it. Harness passed another challenge. Harness into the area. Marcus Harness tries across. It's blocked. It's looping in the air. Half cleared, and now Sunderland will be able to get it away in a, a good attacking position for Portsmouth. Doesn't quite lead to anything. Oh, Ragger's taken a risk at the back, and he's lost the ball. Shot on goal, it's going to go wide. Diuku on the left, cut 
cutting infield and he shot early when he had support in the middle and Raggett was taking a chance at the back. It's still 0-0, but Pompey nearly punished. Carter under pressure in danger of giving the ball away outside his penalty area and he has, and Stewart's got a chance. Great opportunity, Sunderland lead. Portsmouth shoot themselves in the foot. And Elliot Embleton with his left foot puts it into the bottom corner. And all the brilliant work Porter has done in the opening 40 minutes, wasted as they give the ball away at the back. Sunderland won, Portsmouth nil. Jacobs trying to get Hurst in behind. He'll pick up the ball, Jacobs. Jacobs to the penalty area. Lovely from Jacobs. Still Jacobs. Still Jacobs. Can he get the shot away? No. And Sunderland will clear it away. And how have Pompey not managed to get an effort on goal from that fantastic run? Walker helps it on to Hurst. Trying to nod it out to the left. Looking for Jacobs. A Sunderland player falls. And the referee says no foul. And there's four blue shirts forward. And this is a good run from Jacobs. And Jacobs hits it. And straight at the goalkeeper. Romeo volleys it towards Hurst. There is no one last chance. The final whistle goes at the Stadium of Light. And Portsmouth are beaten by one goal to nil. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. The highlights there from Saturday afternoon as Pompey made it four games in a row in 2022 without a victory in the league. And of course, within that time as well, victory over Exeter City in the EFL Trophy, followed by uh, being dumped out of the competition by Cambridge United at the Abbey Stadium. So overall, quite a miserable start to the new year for the Blues. Let's take a look at some of the other results from the weekend then. Burton Albion were held to a one-all draw at home to AFC Wimbledon. Cambridge, who we just mentioned there, 1-0 winners over Crew Alexandra. Charlton defeated Fleetwood by two goals to nil. Ipswich also winners. They beat Accrington Stanley 2-1 at Portman Road. Doncaster Rovers, a shock win for them on their travels away to MK Dons. 1-0 for that team there. Morecambe 3, Wickham 2, Oxford 3, Sheffield Wednesday 2. Plymouth Argyle 1, Lincoln City 2. You'd never guess who scored for winning goal for Lincoln. Rotherham 1, Cheltenham Town 0, Shrewsbury 0, Bolton 1 and Wigan Athletic 3, Gillingham 2. Those results alongside Pompey's 1-0 defeat to Sunderland have made the table look a little bit like this. Wigan are top still on 54 points, but they've also got four games in hand on Sunderland in second, who also have 54 points. Rotherham occupy third, two games in hand on Sunderland, just a point behind them. Wickham, MK Dons and Oxford United make up the rest of the top six. Pompey fall down to 10th and a leapfrogged by Ipswich, who were winners at the weekend. And looking at the bottom of the table, Gillingham, Doncaster, Crewe and Morecambe now occupy the relegation zone. However, it is now time to move away from that and welcome in my two guests for tonight's show. And first and foremost, I'm delighted to welcome back onto the Football Hour, Freddie Webb. Freddie, great to have you on as always, my friend. Always a pleasure, Jake. Thanks for having me on. And alongside Freddie this evening, we have the one and only Mark McGee, both calling in this evening. Mark, likewise, my mate, it is great to hear from you. Yeah, cheers, Jake, mate. So I wish it could have been under a little bit better circumstances, uh, Freddie. First time we've heard from you, I think, since around about October, November time. Um, But defeat for Pompey at the Stadium of Light on Saturday. Now, I don't think there was necessarily high expectation heading into the match on Wearside, but considering how the events of the game unfolded, we only just heard two minutes of the highlights there, but if we're being completely honest, Pompey in that first half deserve to say to, to take something into the break at least exactly yeah um from watching the game live Pompey, i thought probably played fairly well in the first half in the midfield the link-up play between the midfielders and the strikers was excellent the problem was whenever pompey got near the final third and the penalty area the delivery was poor which is why not enough clear-cut, clear-cut chances got created and yeah, Sunderland capitalised on that mistake in the end, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and overall, uh, Mark, it wasn't the worst Pompey performance we've seen this season. We just alluded to there the first half from the Blues, quite positive actually, and probably one of the, the the best first halves of football Pompey have played all season. However, it is yet again just a, a simple case of not taking our chances, which has been the downfall in pretty much every match this season for Pompey, in which they haven't claimed all three points. Yeah, you're spot on, Jake. It was 
you know, it, on, on on numerous occasions, we we were, we were, you know, you saw the first half we were in, we had lo- lots of possession. Um, you know, we, we definitely should have capitalised on it. And it just seems to be like, like Freddie said there, we get into the final third. We just, I don't know, there just seems to be no end product. I mean, we've got two wingers, Ronan Curtis, Marcus Harness, and we've got our fullbacks, you know, getting high at the pitch as well. And for some reason, we just don't seem to have that quality to get through to, you know, our striker. So, yeah, same problems again, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, w- one glimpse uh, of promise which we have seen throughout uh, most of the season, uh, Thready, un- unfortunately, most of the time coming off the bench, Michael Jacobs uh, yet again proved on Saturday that he is someone to be called upon and when called upon can prove to be a real nuisance to the opposition. Michael Jacobs, I know, didn't get on the score sheet, didn't actually set up a goal, but his impact off the bench at the Stadium of Light, you could see arguably why he should be starting games. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He, he brought the second half to light a bit because it definitely died down throughout most of the second half. They probably didn't really have a lot of control of the game. And I think even though there's obviously an argument about that would Jacobs fit into the formation and so on, I think he would. If you change if you change it from a 3-4-1-2 with Harness behind the two strikers to a more conventional 3-4-3, then you can allow Jacobs to play, give him the width that he needs, to uh, attack opposition defenders, and I don't think recently, recently Curtis has dropped off a tiny bit, which he sometimes does. So I think Jacobs deserves a chance in the starting eleven now. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Pompey's attacking outlets, Mark, I've not, not, obviously not been on the show for quite a while, been away uh, on my holidays, but since uh, since I have been gone, John Marquis has joined Lincoln City. Just mentioned there they they were two one winners away to Plymouth at the weekend. John Marquis scoring in that game inevitably. Ellis Harrison moving to Fleetwood again, scoring on his debut. It is typical Pompey that these strikers come to the club. I'm not saying any of these were were flops, but not quite what was kind of required if, in a sense this season for Pompey but they go on they move on and, and, and both of them on their debuts but they, they score goals and okay fair play to them but from a Pompey perspective now signed Tyler Walker an exciting signing on loan from Coventry City looks to be a good prospect and certainly someone who Danny Cowley is keen to utilise this season made his debut at Wimbledon on Tuesday night and you could certainly make a case that albeit didn't quite have the, the kind of impact you would have hoped or ex- expected Considering he was, you know, really thrown in the deep end, no training session with the club, and that was, you know, just completely thrown in. Do what you can. You can't really judge him too much on that one. On Saturday, did you see an element to, to Tyler Walker's game where you can see promise in him this season? Is there improvements to his game compared to the likes of John Marquis, Gasan Hadmi, Ellis Harrison, and the like? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to see the game and. I was quite impressed with Tyler Walker. He had some neat touches. You could tell he's he's a level above. He's he's not a League One striker. You can definitely tell he's got championship pedigree. But again, the man was, you know, feeding on scraps, and that has been the case for most of our strikers this season. And unless we get the service to them, we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to utilise him. But yeah, I was impressed with his early touches, and hopefully, if our attackers start to pick up some form, I do think he's he's a striker who can score a few goals. But we we just seem to have that sort of Pompey curse, which seems to come over every striker that comes in with a decent pedigree. So hopefully he can break the curse. But you know, after Sunday, uh, sorry Saturday's game, I'm I'm not feeling too confident at the moment. No, no I, I I agree with everything that Mark's just said there, Freddie. But it does seem harsh to to, to let Tyler Tyler Walker off and, and and blame the service, but he's getting because for so long John Marquis came under so much scrutiny, particularly on social media and you know messages coming into both Pompey Live and the Football Hour that you know he's you know quite simply not good enough for Pompey, and you know there was some backing him and saying that the service isn't good enough, and and that's why he wasn't scoring goals. But I think in the end you could. You could see John Marquis, he perhaps wasn't running for as many balls, wasn't quite making the same kind of effort. You see Tyler Walker on Saturday, OK, no goal, no assist to his name. But you, you see, as Mark's just mentioned there, he's he's chasing down every ball, he's getting into the positions, not just to score goals, but to, to pick up the ball in midfield, move the play forward and, and bring the players around him into the game. Is that something you can see that maybe John Marquis hasn't brought to Pompey over the last season or two, but Tyler Walker is now? Uh, precisely, yeah. I think, um, obviously, with the whole John Marcus, uh, whatever you call it, debate uh, around whether he was good for Pompey or not, it just seemed like his time was up, really. His 10 goals in his last, last 55 Pompey games 
pretty, pretty much put a nail in that coffin. Yeah, I still saw that he ran, made some runs out of position, but like you said, not as many, not as frequent, and his link-up play got particularly bad at the end of his time, which is unfortunate, but I like the fact that um, Danny Cowley's brought in uh, Tyler Walker. I, 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 I was worried he'd be very much a penalty box striker, but um, so far from what I've seen, he, he's definitely getting in amongst it just outside the final third. But again, I think I have to go back to the service. So out of the last two games, the service to the strikers and the attackers hasn't been good enough in the wide areas, and if and that's mainly through crossing. And if a if an opposition pack the penalty area through the middle and you can't pass through them, sometimes you have to switch the play and use crossing. Not all the time, but sometimes. And if that delivery is poor, then that leads to the amount of games that Bombay have had where they've looked a bit toothless in the penalty area. Yeah. And uh, if we're being completely honest again, Mark, the, the crossing and the deliveries and the service on Saturday, and OK, you can probably look back uh, further than Saturday as well, was just completely not up to standard. Some really poor balls into the box. And this isn't singling out any player, but you could certainly make a case. And I think a lot of Pompey fans would agree that Pompey's downfall this season, as much as not having a, a striker who's you know scoring on a consistent basis, but a lot of it is down to the delivery and the service and the quality of balls into the box, not just from open play, but particularly from corners and free kicks. It, it, it quite simply is not good enough. Yeah, you're spot on, Jake. And and I don't want to be that controversial character, but I'm gonna gonna go go ahead and say you know without Harness's bucket full of goals. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, the fact that he did hit form nice and early on in the season, for me, him and Ronan Curtis, their, their service and their end product is, is is poor. I mean, take away goals from Mark and ha- Marcus Harness's game, and I, I, I don't really see a great deal that he's added this season to, to, to our game. I mean, that might sound a bit harsh. And, you know, going back to, yeah, the free kicks and the set pieces, I mean, I think Riso Hackett, Fairchild is on a few of our set pieces, and, and then the delivery on the weekend, I mean... Sometimes we didn't even beat the first man at the corner. It's just, it's, it's you know, we need to we need to give ourselves a, an opportunity to, you know, score a goal. But if we're not even going to do that and not even get the basics right, then we're not going to even get, we're not going to give a striker a chance. And it doesn't matter what the striker, who the striker is, or what pedigree they've got. If they're not getting the service, no one's going to succeed. Yeah. What do you make of uh, Pompey's counterattacks of late, Freddie? Because I was at the game on Saturday. I was still at the game despite not being on here on Pompey Live. But from from what I saw. Counter-attacking wise, you see other teams hit Pompey on the counter, and they're fast. They're they're at it straight away, and, and Pompey are on the back foot, and we're trying to scramble men, you know, back to try and defend the counter-attack. And and more often than not, it, it leads to a goal. Pompey on the counter-attack just seem a little bit slow and sluggish, and just really just takes so long to react to the fact that okay, we've got a chance to go and score here. Is that something you can get on board with, or or am I being a little bit too harsh? Uh, potentially. <laughs> I think it, I think it's more down to the delivery than the pace because um, Pompey's players are still quite quick. Curtis, Curtis Harness, and Hurst or Walker in a free can attack really quickly. And if, and if, for example, Romeo on that right hand side makes an overlap and run fairly quickly, that's not, uh, Pompey can counter attack and use that space. But it doesn't matter how quickly you counter attack when you win the ball high at the pitch. If it if the final cross or the final. Small, a small through ball doesn't work, then the, then the attackers don't have that, a, a proper chance on goal that some of the other teams have had. Mm. You think about Moise's Mo goal in the MK Dons game. As soon, as soon as the ball was played to him, you knew he was going to put it in the back of the net because it was a completely a clear-cut chance. And I don't remember Pompey having one of those in the last few games. Yeah. Okay, Freddie, Mark, thank you very much for your thoughts so far. We'll come back to you in just a few moments' time when we do return uh, from this ad break. And when we do come back, we'll also hear the post-match thoughts of Danny Cowley and hear what he had to say after the game on Saturday. We just played too direct. We didn't keep it up the pitch. We didn't win the seconds and just lost some control in the game. And then we made some subs and they come on. I thought Michael Jacobs gave us some quality that maybe we'd been lacking. And uh, we've definitely played well enough to take something away from today. That's certainly my initial feeling got plenty of text tweets and emails coming into the show already thank you uh, to those who have got in touch over the last 20 minutes we'll get to those after the break as well if you haven't sent one in yet uh, what are you waiting for get one in text express new message to 81400 start those with the word express you can email pompey at expressfm.com if you're on social media use at expressfm on twitter or go over to facebook.com forward slash 
Pompey Live. More from the three of us, more from you back home, and more from Danny Cowley in just a few moments' time. Don't go anywhere. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back to the Football Hour here on Express FM, where I'm tonight joined alongside Freddie Webb and Mark McGee to review Pompey's 1-0 defeat to Sunderland at the weekend. We've also got plenty of text tweets and emails coming through as well. Don't forget that this show, as it has been all season, is sponsored by Stagecoach Across the South, getting you across the South Coast and through Hampshire with a minimum of fuss. You can download the app now from both the Apple app and Google Play stores by searching Stagecoach uh, on your relevant app store. You can plan your next journey and locate your nearest stop. Okay, let's get to some of the text tweets and emails coming into us now then and uh, some tweets here. Lee Davies on Twitter go, uh, says, really need to get a goal scorer understand it will be hard but if we don't we will not make the playoffs harness is the only player uh, who knows where the goal is we can't expect him to get them all let harrison go and he scores let marquis go and he scores proves that they can score goals but it's maybe just uh, the service they are getting lee thank you for your tweet in there my friend uh, we'll bring freddie and mark back into the conversation then mark harsh words but quite frankly true there from from lee on twitter we need a goal scorer and Hopefully we've got one in Tyler Walker, but quite frankly, quite frankly, if we don't, then we will not make the top six, let alone get promoted to the championship. Yeah, spot on, Jake. I mean, looking at the last few games, I mean, I was I was looking at the last three three results, and if I'm if I'm I could be incorrect here, but I think we just managed one goal. I think it was two one against MK Dons, a nil nil in the week, and then uh, yeah, another nil nil against Sunderland. It's just. Yeah. You know, it's 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 damning, isn't it? I mean, you do you do wonder where the goals are going to come from, and and if Michael Jacobs doesn't fit our system, but he's the only bright light that seems to sort of spark any creativity into our side, I don't really understand why we're not giving him a go. Okay, I mean, he, he may not be the fittest player in our squad, but we've we've got to try something, I think, because this the, the team and the lineup we're we're putting together every week at the moment just isn't quite clicking for some reason or another. Yeah. It's quite clear, Freddie, and we won't bang the drum too much now because it's quite clear that the overwhelming feeling, uh, not just in the studio tonight, but you know, within, I'd probably say, the overwhelming majority of Pompey fans out there, is that Michael Jacobs should be starting games for Pompey. But in terms of striking positions, Tyler Walker, of course, coming in on loan from Coventry last week, George Hurst on loan from Leicester City. You take them out of the team at the end of the season. Pompey have no contracted strikers. Is that something that worries you? Do we need to get another forward before the deadline in just over a week's time? Potentially, um, purely just for squad depth reasons. Um, obviously, Randall Curtis and probably Michael Jacobs can fit into that striking pair role if if Cowley wants to continue playing the three-four-one-two formation. But in the in the long term, uh, it is an issue. But I'd rather not rush and bring in another striker on a permanent deal if uh, Danny Cowley doesn't think they're good enough. I mean, what's the point if, it, if that's the case? Um, it was always going to be a rebuilding season, really. So, yeah, yeah there's going to have to be, um, um, again, a lot of transfer activity yeah, yeah. at the end of January and in the summer, depending on where Pompey finish in the table. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, in this January transfer window, Mark, as we mentioned, just a week left until uh, the deadline, it slams shut. Uh, Pompey can not bring in any more lone players. We've got the maximum of five within this squad now. Um, of course, we've just seen today Alex Bass has joined Bradford City uh, on loan for the remainder of the season. Hopefully, Bass can go and get some game time in League Two. We'll come on to that one now before we come on to anything uh, anything else. Are you surprised, as much as the reports came out last week, that Alex Bass was close to a low move away from Fratton Park? Are you surprised with that one? Or is it actually fair enough? Because a goalkeeper of his quality deserves to get some game time. And quite frankly, he's not going to get that with Gavin Bazunu performing so well. Yeah, no, I think it came out of the blue a little bit. But I think, you know, we are all expecting him to go out on loan and get that game time. I definitely think he needs it because we know he's a quality keeper. And for some reason or another, he's just played second fiddle for the last few seasons. Um, but I do think he's a future number one for our club. I do think he's got that in his locker. And for a, for a goalkeeper, 23, I think, I think he is. He's, he's still so young. Still got so many years left to improve. And goalkeepers can have such a long and uh, successful career. And I think the more minutes he gets, the more confidence he gets. And that's only going to benefit us when he returns. 
Yeah. What, what does the future hold for Alex Bass now then, Freddie? We, we spoke about this at the start of the season uh, here on the Football Hour when Gavin Bazunu uh, was signed on loan from Manchester City and you know many expected him to be Pompey's number one this season and he has been Pompey's number one this season. But in terms of Alex Bass, uh, as uh, Marx has quite rightfully pointed out there, 23 years of age, a very decent goalkeeper. We all know that when he has come into the side when required, he's put on you know some, some very good performances uh, since 2015 uh, since being promoted from the youth team 18 appearances for Pompey and throughout the you know all of his career at Fratton Park has played second or third fiddle uh, to, to other goalkeepers he's had loans at Salisbury Torquay United Southend and now Bradford City in terms of him personally he is a very good goalkeeper and he can play week in week out for at least the league two team Many could argue maybe even a League One side. Does his future lie at Fratton Park? We'd all love that to be the case. But quite frankly, does it? Uh, I assume so. I don't, I don't see any reason why Alex Bass would be moved on at all. Um, it, it, since Danny Cowell is learning out, he's obviously preparing him for next season when Pazuna is not going to be here. Mm. Um, and since and Danny Cowell is spoken in interviews enough that uh, if he was if he was selfish, Bass would stay, and uh, and that he re- he thinks he's as much of a high end talent as the fans do. So if it, I, I think next season Bass will probably be the number one goalkeeper. And I know that um, it was reported elsewhere that Oliver Webber from Crystal Palace was linked to another young keeper who will probably, if he signs, fight for that position. So I just think that the loan move is the right option for Bass long term. Get him get, get him half a season of games, and then that will bring him nicely into next season where he'll probably just be the number one goalkeeper and that a ridiculous option out there in the summer. Yeah, and it is key to remember as well, reported by our, our friend and colleague uh, Andy Moon from BBC Radio Solent, is that there is a recall option on Alex Bass's contract at Bradford City. The recall options uh, and clauses inside uh, goalkeeper low moves are slightly different to that of an outfield player. If Pompey uh, were... To, to have a, an injury to Gavin Bazunu or a suspension to Gavin Bazunu between now and the end of the campaign, there is the option to recall Alex Bass uh, on an emergency basis as much as that wouldn't uh, benefit Bradford City uh, in any sort of way. But from a Pompey perspective, that is an option uh, for Danny Cowley if that were to be uh, if that were to happen. Of course, that is a, a worst-case scenario. Uh, moving on then, uh, We'll come back to you, Freddie, in terms of Pompey's transfer business and what may be to come over the next week or so. We mentioned no more loans can can come into the team. You've already mentioned Oliver Webber, the young Crystal Palace goalkeeper. Initially was reported on a loan deal. We can't get any more loan players in. There's a possibility of him coming on a permanent. Not much ground has been made on on that in the last week or so. More on that if we do get it. But another name which has cropped up in the last few days is Sunderland left back Denver Hume who is reported today to have travelled down to Fratton Park and, and, and to try and take part in a medical to see if he can sign for Pompey. Verbal agreements potentially in place between uh, both Pompey and Sunderland, a reported figure of around £175,000. Freddie, in your eyes, if this one does go through, is that a good signing for you? I'm intrigued by the signing of Denver Hume. It's always a bit weird when you hear from Sunderland fans either that Oh, he's good. It's a shame he's leaving to... I'll drive him down to Portsmouth myself to sign him. Uh, but, yeah, I think watching him and the, looking at the advanced stats, he definitely, he definitely suits the wing-back mould more than the full-back. He's defensively not the best. Um, he, he can get in the right position at times, but can get bullied by bigger wingers. But the most important thing for me is looking at his crossing and dribbling stats. Last, last season, he had the joint highest crosses per 90 for left-backs and left-wing-backs. Mm. And we need, some, we, we, need, we need someone who can deliver a cross, deliver a decent ball from wide areas, like we've mentioned, and looking statistically, and then looking at his dribbling stats. He had rounded up 71% success rate on the dribbles last season from, from 5.43 per 90. Thank God I got those there from Wisecout. <laughs> um, he, he seems like a fit... Statistically, and from watching him, we need we need, we need wing backs who can, who can be mobile enough to go up and down, but also have that little bit of quality in delivery and can basically carry the ball forwards and attack in wide areas. So, yeah. some of them don't want him. By the sounds of it, he's had struggles with injuries and COVID this season. That's why he's barely played. 
but I'm intrigued by that signing. I, I don't think anybody should write him off at all already. I think it's also key to remember that uh, if you are listening, if you've seen social media in the past 24 hours or so, you've seen Sunderland fans saying, you know, I'll drive him down to Portsmouth myself and yeah, you can go and good luck with him or whatever. It's also key to remember that Sunderland fans really highly rated Dender Hume up until, well, pretty much this season. They've, as you mentioned there, Freddie, he's been unlucky with injuries and, and COVID as well, but also a, a bit of a contract dispute with Stadium Flight as well. And, and suddenly he's turned into the villain. So there are two sides to every story. Personally, I think Denver Hume would be a, a fairly decent acquisition as well, certainly for that price. Uh, you take into consideration within the last couple of seasons, Sunderland's were, were valuing him at just under a million pounds. So £175,000, if it does go through, would you know, maybe be quite, quite a steal. Still only 23 years of age, come through the Sunderland Academy. Maybe it's just time for him, maybe like it was with John Marquis, to just move on, start afresh at a new club. Who knows? But like you say, Freddie, certainly, certainly give him a chance. But Mark, from a from a Pompey perspective, looking at the other players, that it does affect if Denver Hume does put pen to paper and become a Portsmouth player before the deadline. Rico Hackett and Lee Brown, of course, both uh, regulars on that left side, that left wing back role. Lee Brown, of course, uh, you know, perhaps not a natural wing back. Rico Hackett, still very young in his career, experimenting with him although you could argue he is more of a forward-thinking player, would this benefit a Rico Hackett so he can go forward a bit more and contribute to the attacks and not be caught out so much at the back? But where does this leave Lee Brown? I think, you know, Lee Brown is obviously not a spring chicken anymore, so I think we always were going to need to look at getting some in-depth uh, in that position in particular. I mean, as you say, he's only 23. He's got years ahead of him, uh, light years ahead of him, so... You know, that, that, it's a good signing, in my opinion. We obviously are weak on the left side. Connor Ogilvy was going to come in and be a left back, but I don't think he'd suit the wing back role. So I'm happy for him to sort of stick and play as a centre back or a left back if we do revert to a flat back four. So I think it's a smart signing by the Cowleys. And as you say, a great price as well. For, for, for Rico, I think, yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, he's shown this season that he does doesn't know where the back of the net is, he is technically gifted. You know, he hasn't always looked at home. We probably haven't seen the best of him in every sort of scenario because if he's not in his, you know, uh, favour position or his most comfortable position, we're never going to see the best of a player yeah. when they're when they're uncomfortable or, or not playing in their their, their their you know where they played for in the past. And um, just going back to what you said earlier there, Jake um, and Freddie as well. I just want to agree with the fact that there are two sides to every story. I mean, look at us, look at our fans online slating uh, John Marquis and Ellis Harrison sometimes after a performance, but they, 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 you know, the grass sometimes can be greener. They both score on their debuts. You just never know, do you? Sometimes you can't explain it, but sometimes players just aren't suited to certain clubs. Sometimes it, it can, like you say, sometimes the grass is just greener and it, and it gives players a, just a, a fresh start at different clubs. And like you say, John Marquis and Ellis Harrison, we wish them all the best at both Fleetwood and Lincoln City, respectively. Maybe it didn't quite work out for him, for them both here at Fratton Park. Could be a similar story for Denver, Denver Hume. Hopefully uh, that is the case. Uh, thank you to uh, Freddie and Mark once again. We'll come back to those two in just a few moments' time. But I'm uh, going to leave you now in this uh, final part of this second part of the show with the post-match thoughts of Danny Cowley from the weekend. Andy Moon caught up with him after the full-time whistle on the touchline at the Stadium of Light, first asking for his emotions after the game. Well, I think we're frustrated that we didn't take something from it. I can't fault the players' effort and attitude, I thought. You know, on the back of a three-game week, this is probably the toughest place to come after 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 playing Saturday and Tuesday, particularly when they haven't. Um, I thought we gave it our all. We just come up a little bit short. Um, really good start to the game. For the first 30 minutes, totally controlled the game. Um, had a really good rhythm and tempo about us. Create some chances. Need to take the chances when you're on top. I think. You know, you'd have all witnessed what the pitch is. The pitch is a very, very difficult pitch. Certainly not one befitting of a of a brilliant stadium and, and football club. Um, and when you do go one 0 down on this pitch, then the onus is on you to try to um, build the play and create the chances. And um, yeah, it was hard to get ball speed, and it was hard to um, to break down what is a is a is a good Sunderland team. Hayden Carter was excellent on Tuesday, but an unfortunate moment for him with the with the Sunderland goal today. He's just a young player. Senior players will make mistakes. Um, these things happen. We just needed to manage the, the the game a little bit better than than what we did in those final moments before half time. We'd 
played so well really in the first half. Um, it was a really, really good performance. I would say as you know, as good as we've been this year in that first period. Um, I was disappointed from probably 45 to 70. I just thought we played were too risk adverse. We just <coughs> just played too direct. We didn't keep it up the pitch. We didn't win the seconds and just lost some control in the game. Um, and then now I thought we made some subs and they come on. I thought Michael Jacobs um, gave us some some quality that maybe we'd been lacking. And uh, yeah. I think you know we, we we've definitely played well enough to take something away from to, from today. That's certainly my 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 initial feeling. Jacob's knocking on the door to, to to start at the moment. I think so. I think he's done. He's he's come off the bench and he's affected things. He's trained well, um, and yeah, he, we're we're looking for um, yeah that that little bit of quality in the final third and you know. I don't need to say it because everybody else will be saying it. But yeah, that's, that, we, we've, we've definitely got to go away and look at some of our decision making and some of our execution in and around the penalty area because we've been we've been short in that area. That's just that's just the truth and um, not for the want of trying, but ultimately the reality. How tough is that to to, to turn around when you're struggling in front of goal? Well, we know we've we've got good players, but sometimes you know it's, it can be confidence and. We'd obviously went on a 10-game unbeaten run. We've had three games this week and only take one point. And if you actually look at the three games, the three performances up until the final action have certainly deserved more. Um, but we all know that the only stat that matters is the is the, is, is the scoreline. So um, so no, and we've we've not done well enough in that area. So we have to accept the, the criticism for that. And that's a, that's that's collective. No, Alex Bass in the squad today. Is he on his way? No, I think there'll be some news regarding Alex in, in due course. And that'd be a loan, loan somewhere else? Well, our aim is to get Alex out playing. That's what he needs. Maybe not what the squad needs, but it's definitely what he needs. And for me, it's always to be player-centred and um, do what, what, what is right for the players. Because I think if you do that, then they, they, they then reciprocate and the club will then, then reap the rewards in the longer term. And any progress on that uh, left wing back coming in? No, I think we are we're working hard to bring bring one or two additions in that can help the, help the team. And no further updates than that at this point. No, obviously the last 24 hours our focus has been been solely on this game. Um, everyone I respect it's a really busy week when you play three games, three two away. Um, Lots of, lots of preparation work, lots of travel. just want to thank the supporters. wish we could have given them a little bit a, 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 a little bit more, so a goal or something to, to drive home with, because this is an incredible journey for the supporters to make, particularly you know, when most probably haven't had a pay packet after, after Christmas and uh, they get put up in the gods top right-hand corner of the stadium. And, uh, yeah, magnificent effort from them and just wish we could have given them a little bit more. Blues boss uh, Danny Cowley there speaking after Saturday's defeat to Sunderland. And when we return, we'll hear from another Pompey gaffer. Women's head coach Jay Sadler gives us his analysis of their 2-1 win over Moneyfields on Sunday, a result which saw his side progress to the final of this, this year's Hampshire Cup. It was a testing game. There were periods in there where we had to find solutions. To start with, they pressed us high with a three and we had to find a way of bypassing that, um, that whether that was with a bit more direct play and, and secure it or trying to get rotations to get a plus one on our, on our building line and I think we did that when we reverted to the four. Keep your messages coming in from back home too Blues fans. All the methods to get in touch if you don't know them by now can be found on our website expressfm.com So stay where you are and join myself, Freddie and Mark for the conclusion of tonight's show. You're listening to the Football Hour here on Express FM This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back for the final time tonight to the Football Hour here on Express FM, brought to you this season by Stagecoach Across the South. You can download their app now from both the Apple app and Google Play stores, or you can visit their website, stagecoachbus.com, for more information on routes, timetables, and fare updates as well. You join us here at quarter to seven, just 15 minutes remaining of tonight's show. You can get in touch with the panel between now and seven o'clock with your final thoughts from Saturday's 1 0 defeat to Sunderland. You can let us know your thoughts 
on the uh, imminent signing, we hope, of Denver Hume from Sunderland themselves, uh, which we uh, we expect to be announced within the next day or two. We hear from reports from our colleague Andy Moon from BBC Radio Solent that he has travelled down to Portsmouth today and has agreed personal terms with the club. So just a medical pending now for Denver Hume before he becomes a Portsmouth player. Alex Bass has also left the club on a loan deal until the end of the season. He joins Bradford City, links up with former Pompey player Gareth Evans at Valley Parade. So let us know your thoughts on his uh, loan exit as well as how you think that will affect his his growth as, as a goalkeeper. Is he part of Pompey's plans heading into the distant future, Alex Bass? Will he be a future Pompey number one? Simply text the word express, followed by your name and message to 81400. You can send an email into pompey at expressfm.com. Include at expressfm within your tweets. And of course, there is facebook.com forward slash Pompey live. Going to bring Freddie and Mark back into the conversation now then. And... Uh, and before we do that, actually going to read out a couple more uh, tweets and emails. Linda Mayo. Well, if uh, anyone is surprised with our recent performances in January, well, it's an annual thing. Unless we start putting out away our chances we are creating and stop giving away goals, uh, we are going to get nowhere. The chances we missed in the first half on Saturday just proves that. I wonder how many supporters knew that this would happen. We need to sort this out quickly, which is probably easier said than done. Linda, thank you so much for your email. Mark, it, it does seem to be quite a regular occurrence. Pompey, January, just after Christmas, kind of hit a bit of a downward spiral and it's happened again. Yeah, I think it's it's happened in, on, on many occasions in the past, if I, if I don't recall. Uh, I think we were top at Christmas uh, the year before last, and then obviously uh, previous year to that, we were obviously uh, looking like we were going to be reaching automatics. Um, so yeah, January does always seem to be the banana skin, doesn't it? Um, but there's a long it's a long season ahead, and I think that's something that we need to realise. Okay, we've had three games where we haven't hit the back of the net, or we haven't, you know, maybe created the chances that we want to create but there's still a whole second half of the season to go and like we saw at the start of this season your form can just suddenly take a dramatic increase or decrease so there's there's plenty of time for our chances to pick up and plenty of time for the squad to gel and the chances to be created for the new striker as well yeah and uh, a report here from our colleagues from the Portsmouth News reporting on uh, the injury uh, picked up to Marlon Romeo on Saturday. He limped off at the Stadium of Light, but we are expecting that to be just a minor one, just a, an impact injury for Marlon Romeo in the 1-0 defeat to Sunderland. So hopefully uh, for the next match, which is a week today against Charlton Athletic at Frasson Park, Marlon Romeo should have recovered fully uh, from that impact injury. So not too much of a concern to that one. He won't be joining Ryan Tunney Cliff and Jaden Reed on the long-term injury list. Uh, another text here from uh, Carol in Hailing Ireland. Uh, Jake, why does Danny Cowley insist on using a formation that is not working? Uh, Carol in Hailing Ireland. Uh, Freddie, I'm going to throw this one to you because Danny Cowley likes to use this uh, current formation, which uh, you can call it a five, you can call it a three at the back. Nonetheless, you've got three centre-backs and you've got the two uh, wide players, which has been either Rico Hackett or Lee Brown on the right-hand side and predominantly uh, Marlon Romeo, Romeo on the right. Is this formation working? Does there need to be a bit of a change-up? I, I don't think it's the formation that's the issue. I think if you pass your mind back to the beginning of... Um... This season, when Portsmouth mainly played the four-two-three-one, they struggled to create a lot of chances then, as well. And I think the three centre halves, the way the way that they were organised, it helps with the part of passing from the back, which is, in my, in my opinion, the best way to create chances long term. And it, it makes it, it makes it more stable. The, the wing backs most of the time get get forward enough, but I just think it's down to individual delivery. Maybe a small change. Might be instead of having Marcus Harness right in the middle as the attacking fielder, and then the two strikers ahead of him make it into a three with Harness on one side, and then Curtis Jacobs on the other with one striker in the middle. That might be something to try to try and get a bit more width, a little bit more pace to stretch the opposition defence out a bit. But I wouldn't go straight to a flat back four. Um, and also, I think there are other issues uh, more than the formation which are the reasons why Tom haven't been playing that well recently. Yeah. Are there any 
any other issues that you can identify, Mark, as to why Pompey have been struggling uh, of late? You know, if we cast our minds back not too long ago, Pompey had gone 10 matches unbeaten in League One up until that <coughs> nil-nil draw, or rather after the nil-nil draw, sorry, the defeat to MK Dons um, just a couple of weeks ago. Pompey were quite you know, sailing in League One, picking up quite quite a bit of form. There were a few draws in that nonetheless, but 10 games unbeaten, looking fairly solid at the back. One thing I've identified and one thing, again, that I've seen a lot on social media over the weekend is that Pompey do not react very well at all to conceding goals, whether it's you know to go 1-0 down, whether they're 2-0 up and concede a goal. No matter what scenario the Blues find themselves in, conceding a goal, the heads just drop completely. And then this never really seemed to be a response to that I think that might just boil down to confidence at the moment I think I mean purely down to the fact that maybe the squad even know that chances are, are, are tough to create at the moment or hard, hard to come by um, I think the confidence in the squad just seems to be a bit low at the moment and that could be a reason why it has, seems to drop uh, I mean obviously the only thing that I could really pick up on other than what you've already mentioned is probably just I find that there's a bit of a disconnection between the two centre mids and the the front three. I, I, I feel like there needs to be someone in there who's going to take a risk and play that pass because, okay, the service we say hasn't been great That and that boils down to a number of factors. But, you know, when you've got a striker making runs and we do have, you know, a striker like Tyler Walker who's got a fantastic record at scoring goals at this level, I think it does come down to, you know, having a player in there or having a slightly more attacking midfielder in there, potentially tweaking the formation to, yeah. to to get midfielder into that into that position. But we need someone who's going to take the risk and try and play that riskier final ball. I know we've touched on Michael Jacobs entering into the team and how he'd fit into the formation, but that would be the only flaw that I can think of because we've got strikers who are, who are going to make these runs and are going to score goals at this level, but they're for some reason or another, they're not getting that final delivery. So that'd be the only flaw I can think of, really. Yeah. Okay, lads, thank you very much. Uh, we're going to take a moment away now to hear from Pompey women's head coach Jay Sadler. His side were 2-1 victors over Moneyfields in the semi-final of the Hampshire Cup on Sunday, setting up a South Coast derby in the final with Southampton, a date to be confirmed uh, in the near future. That's likely to be played at Havens Waterlooville's Wesley Park. They'd beaten AFC Portchester 13-0 on Wednesday night in the quarterfinal of the PDFA Cup. But now we're going to hear from the uh, head coach Jay Sadler with his post-match thoughts from yesterday. Today's 2-1 victory over Moneyfields. Into another Hampshire Cup final, Joe. Your verdict on that victory? Yeah, really happy to, to be in a final. Um, really happy with the players' performance and, and ultimately the victory. I think it was a, it was a testing game. There were, there were periods in there where we had to find solutions um, to start with. They, they pressed us high with a three. and We had to find a way of, of bypassing that, um, that, whether that was with um, a bit more direct play and, and secure it or trying to get rotations to get a plus one on our, on our building line. And um, I think we did that when we reverted to the four. Jay, Jay think, had a really good game and she moved into kind of the pivot when we were building and then we were able to, to get balls through them. And I think as soon as we did get through their first line of pressure, um, we had to just be a little bit more creative, a little bit more better on the ball um, to try and get through the back four. I think Roxy was superb at centre-half for them today. Um, so it was, it, was, it was proving difficult. And obviously it took a, a moment of magic from Sam to open up um, our account. Fantastic strike. Um, moments before that, they've obviously had a five-minute spell where, where they've hit the crossbar. They've tested Ham with, with a shot. Um, we, had to, we had to see that period out. And I think overall in the whole game, they probably had 15 minutes where they had a spell. They've obviously scored their goal late on um, the same wide defending wide areas not good enough to get out to the cross um, and we've kind of gifted a, a free header in there and I think apart from that the other five sixths of the game um, we were in control of whether that was with the ball or whether that was against the ball rightly so we got our second goal and, and we should have had more we've had some good opportunities Emma she's had a fantastic fantastic weighted through ball and keepers saved that one Shirelle's had one inside the box Shan's had a couple as well um, so we should have put the game to bed we've got to be more clinical in and around both boxes but ultimately we were in control of the tie and, and we've seen us through It was quite a battle out there in the first half did you always think it was going to take that moment of magic? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we were always in control. Like I said, apart from that five, ten minute period where I think Emma Pinnis hit the bar um, and before that they, they've had a couple of shots over from range, which is all we really resorted them to. Um, I think our structure was really good against the ball. We built the castle in and around um, the 18-yard box. 
Um, so, yeah, for, for them, that, that was their effort. For us, it was just about finding that extra pass. I think the amount of times you got into good areas in the wide, good advanced areas, but we didn't play forward. We didn't have the runner forward from, from midfield or, or from the striker to split their full-back centre-back. Um, so we were forcing it all. We were having to play backwards. And when we played backwards, that was their trigger then to go and press us. So we put ourselves under a little bit of pressure. Um, but ultimately, like I said, when we got into the second half, um, we were able to find more spaces. Um, I think our our physical attributes, they paid dividends towards the end. Like I said, the, the amount of direct balls over the top that we were able to get on top of. Um, Sham with a fantastic run, um, looking at that one. She looks like she's onside and, and that there at 3-0 or 3-1 kills the game. Um, but like I said, even when they got the goal, I thought we were never in doubt. thought we saw the game out well. We've managed the game well. We've managed minutes well. Um, so, yeah, really happy with the performance. And it's a competition that means so much to this club. We'll take on Southampton in the final in due course. How much are you looking forward to that one? Yeah, it's a competition that every team takes well. Um, every time we've come up against Moneyfields, we've always had a, a difficult game, whether that's been in the PDFA or, or in the Hampshire Cup. Um, and you see today, Southampton and Bournemouth, two really strong sides going head-to-head. -head. So four good teams in the semi-final. And, and obviously now we, we look at... We look forward to facing Southampton again. Um, we've had two really good games with them, games that we felt we should have got more from. So when that comes around, we'll, we'll be fully focused on that. But from today, we've got to take a lot of positives from it. We've had an honest chat afterwards. There's a couple of things we need to improve upon. Um, but we're going into Oxford now on Sunday with confidence. Um, we've won our last two games, two games that we expected to win, but two games that we knew the opposition's um, could surprise it. We, we knew today Moneyfields had quality. You look through their team, they've got experience. Charlie Wilson, up top, experienced player. Um, Katie Shorter, experienced player. They, they've got they've got a lot of quality and they've also got players that have been here that, that wanted to prove a point and wanted to beat us too. So we've overseen today and I'm really happy with the manner we've overseen it and now we've got to take another step forward into Oxford who will be a difficult test but we've got the qualities and the mentality to go and do something there. The thoughts there of the Pompey women's head coach Jay Sadler following yesterday's 2-1 victory uh, over Moneyfields in the Hampshire Cup semi-final. OK, uh, well, that is it from us here on the Footblower, I'm afraid to say. Uh, I'll be back on Friday night with Sam Macy and, as of yet, an unconfirmed guest to preview Monday's visit of Charlton Athletic to Fratton Park. For that one, you can join us next Monday from 7 here on Express FM when Pompey Live returns. All the unmissable action. This is... Pompey Live. It's now four league games without a win for the Blues as they fell to a 1-0 defeat away at Sunderland. The ball away outside is Penaltieri and he has and Stewart's got a chance. Great opportunity. Sunderland lead. Portsmouth shoot themselves in the foot. Next up for Pompey, it's the return to Fratton Park to take on Charlton Athletic. Join us for all of the unmissable action Monday night from 7. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Do be sure, sure to join us next Monday for the visit of Charlton Athletic to Fratton Park for match day number 27 of Pompey's League One season. As I mentioned, I'll be back on Friday with two more Pompey fans to preview that one. And as a result, next Monday's football hour will be moved and I'll be confirming that date on Friday's show when we definitely, definitely know when that will be taking place. OK, thank you once again to uh, Freddie Webb for joining me on the football hour tonight. Freddie, thank you ever so much and have a great week, my friend. No problem. Have a great Tuesday. Likewise, the same goes to Mark McGee. Mark, thank you ever so much. It's been great to have you on the show and uh, hopefully we'll hear from you again soon. Thanks, Jake. See you later, buddy. And, uh, yeah, once again, thank you to both of them. Thank you to everyone for getting in touch with your text, tweets and emails. Thank you to Stagecoach Across the South for supporting another edition of the Football Hour here on Express FM. After the 7 o'clock news tonight, the Soft Rock Show with Jeff and Aid is back. And then from 9 through till 11, Kevin Stokes returns with that 80 show. And then from 11 through to the early hours of tomorrow morning, it is the Express Wind Down. Nothing but just great songs to relax and calm you into the early hours of tomorrow morning. Nicola Lashley is back with Express Breakfast tomorrow from 6.30. Gloria Miller in her new slot from 10 through till 1. Ian James 1 through till 4. And Darren Gamblin 4 with drive time through till 6. Until Friday, Pompey fans, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. Stay safe and play out Pompey. Good night.